Welcome to Longview Baptist Church. Where will you spend your eternity? This is a question that does have an answer, even if you don't know what it is. I am Pastor John. This ministry is designed to prepare you for that day we will all face, our last. Join us as we find an answer to the tough questions. And remember, you cannot truly live until you're truly ready to die. Here, I'm excited that God is, is in the, the business of doing things. I know there's people traveling today to be with family members. Uh, some are traveling to see others that they didn't think they'd be able to. So I know others are battling some sicknesses, little colds and things. So pray for those people that aren't with you today. Reach out, make sure that uh, they're okay. And uh, if there's anything you can do for them, because that matters. It means something to know that, that others care about you. Uh, don't forget this week. I'm going to start the, the kickoff of this. It's awesome that we have Thanksgiving. I think it's a wonderful time. I've, I've always loved it. As a matter of fact, the first time I can ever remember going to the hospital was on a Thanksgiving morning while my mother was cooking turkey. I had a ball and I had a, a piece of thread. I don't know where in the world I'd gotten it, but you know, you're two years old and a piece of ball and thread, you're at the time in life where you start to get excited about turning around and around and around until you get dizzy. Anybody else did that? Okay, some of you are honest. The rest of you did it. You just don't remember it. Are you too embarrassed to say? Well, I did that. And the next thing you know, I went into the corner of a wall and split my head open. So my mother spent the day with me at the emergency room getting stitches in my head. So uh, I remember Thanksgiving. I remember the smell of the turkey that day. It was an indelibly impressed memory on my mind. But I'm thankful, though, for Thanksgiving. I say that, though, to say this. It is a shame that so many people see pretty much Thanksgiving as the time, the week of the year, or the season of the year that we give thanks. We should live all year long with the heart of Thanksgiving. That should springboard this week to being the Super Bowl of Thanksgiving, meaning this is the culmination of living a life and a lifestyle of Thanksgiving. You know, Never in a million years could I have realized all of us in, in our lives, those, there's been a lot of people that experienced loss this year in our body. How many people in your family did you had no idea that you wouldn't have this year? So I want to encourage you this week, if maybe you have family members that you're not able to spend time with, but those who are, enjoy that time with them, savor that time with them, because those are memories that can sometimes be the last ones we have. So enjoy that time, savor that time, be thankful for those people, do it all year long, but especially when a lot of times when people get together on Thanksgiving, these are special times that God has gifted us with. We realize us, I know a lot of the secular world doesn't celebrate Thanksgiving the way that we do, but I'm just so thankful as a follower of Jesus Christ for every single thing that God gives me. I am woefully aware that I don't deserve any of it. And I, I hope likewise you remember the same and, and recognize that. But in God's mercy, his infinite grace, and he pours out what we don't deserve. He's so good. He's so faithful. I hope you have your Bibles this morning. If you will, turn to Philippians chapter 4. God laid this message on my heart over the last few weeks as I was pondering what God would have me share the title of the message is Rejoice with Thanksgiving, and we're going to look at verses 4 through 7 this morning. 
The lifestyle of thanksgiving, what does that require in the, the cerebral part, the mental part, the thought process for us? Well, it requires what I reference quite often, an overt act of your will, meaning something that you have to do on purpose. You do not live a life of thanksgiving by accident. I will assure you that. As a matter of fact, does anybody know what the default is otherwise? Gripe, complain, we will always find a reason in the default of our human condition to, to find fault with everything. You know what Scripture actually talks in a lot of the judgment, uh, the judgment parts of Scripture? They are what? Fault finders? Meaning, I'm going to find fault with everything and everyone but myself. Now, we don't have a problem with that in America, right? You wonder why litigation attorneys are completely locked up to the hill. It's very difficult. The, the really good ones, you can't get an appointment for months. Because everybody wants to blame everybody else for what? Everything. Oh, I had Tylenol, so now I've got this problem. You did this and it's that. And oh, it was my tires that wrecked. Not the fact that I was doing 90 miles an hour in the rain with the cruise control on. Oh, it's no, it was my tires' fault. It was everybody else's fault. Oh, the, 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 the government didn't make the road the way that they should have. And everybody, though, wants to find a reason to fault everyone else. But spiritually speaking this morning, what I want to pray that God does through this is once again reaffirm the thing that I talk with you about really continually, programming your mind. Remember now, this has to be an overt act. You have to do this and purpose in your heart to do it. How do you start doing this? Maybe you're a person today that's, you're not an optimist, you're a pessimist. Anybody remember back in the years when they had the Optimist Club? Yeah. Somebody actually said they did have a pessimist club. Is that true? In Washington, D.C., one of my family members told me they did have a pessimist. I couldn't even imagine anybody would want to go to that. Uh, but I'm optimistic. I am a, the glass half full kind of guy. I'm the guy on Titanic that would have been standing on the bow on the very edge of the railing going, just give us some buckets and a little bit of time. We can turn this around. Amen? I mean, I'm really seriously, I, that's the kind of person I am because I'm a person that has to have hope. You put me in a hopeless situation and I'll just tell you, it'd be like being in a, a four foot by four foot enclosure with a cougar that had a bad attitude. I don't like when there is no hope. I think one of the reasons right now we're seeing the rampant problems we have in this nation is because there's a feeling of hopelessness. When you go to the grocery store and you start to do the budgeting on what it requires to feed a family of four, much less a family of 13 or 12 or whatever we have, if you go right now, if you're a young married couple, somebody was talking about that this morning with me, and you have to buy a home right now, I, I don't even know what to tell you. Good luck's not even the word for it. You, you better, you're going to need a divine act of God to find housing for a young married couple right now starting out. Because uh, these house prices, to me, they're unsustainable. But the millions of dollars, even acreage, is caught. You know, you have, 100, you have 100 acres in this part of Bedford County right now. You're a millionaire. Now, find somebody to buy it that's, and actually have the money might be a different problem right now. 
But if you're a young person and you're starting out right now, it's not like in Nashville when we started out 28 years ago, we bought our first house for, in Nashville for $38,900. We were approved for a hundred and some thousand. I wasn't about to, we're, no, that was foolishness. We got a house for $38,900. Why'd we sell it? Amen? The same reason that you guys who've told me that had the 55 Chevrolets and the this's and the that's and you sit there and kick yourself for selling those, you, you can't see the future. But you know, when you're young and you can buy those things, nobody has the money, right? But right now, that hopeless feeling of going to the grocery store and trying to buy even the basics for your family right now, trying to pay insurance or, you know, if some of you kept car payments, you're having to pay your car payments and all of these things, it can, it can breed a feeling of hopelessness. But see, the great thing about followers of Christ is we don't, we're not bound by the constraints, the paradigm that the world is. If you or I are a young married couple or you or I are an old couple right now, we're not bound by the hopelessness that would be, we have to hope that luck or what? Our lucky stars, you hear all these statements that they say, because I can't imagine right now a life where I didn't have the promises of God and the hope of God going forward into what is a very uncertain future. I'm thankful that God holds my today, God holds my yesterday, but more importantly, and most importantly, God holds my tomorrow. So I don't have to worry that I will not have the financial ability to eat because God's promise to me is, and his promise to you is, as a follower of Jesus Christ, he will meet, how many of them? All of our needs according to his glorious riches in Christ. That's a promise. So if you want something this morning to be thankful about, maybe you've had a rough week. I know there's times that I've come to church and I've been very upset, distraught about something, anguishing over something, heavy-hearted, and I had to deflect those feelings, right, and turn them into, I, I take those thoughts captive to the will of Christ. What is the, the will of Christ? Cast all your cares on him. His yoke is easy, his burden's light. So what I'd have to do is literally, I call a bait and switch, right? The enemy tried to bait me into not trusting God and his promises. So I had to switch those, take him captive, and switch them into the promises of God, which are what God's promised to you and I. He never breaks a promise. He is ever faithful. And this morning, what I hope this does again is, is promote a continual attitude of gratitude. And whenever you find yourself, as you're praying without ceasing, as you're taking every thought captive to the will of Christ, you may have a squatter sometimes. What is a squatter? The squatter wants to get you pessimistic, not optimistic. The squatter wants you to engage in a sinful behavior of believing that you are in trouble and there's nothing you're going to be able to do. In reality, God holds your now. He holds your yesterday. He holds your tomorrow. So all you have to do is trust him, rest on him. And what he says, his yoke his burdens light. When you are yoked to the Lord, what is going to ultimately happen? You have nothing to worry about because God will never leave you. He will never forsake you. So that is the beauty of it. God not only clothed the lilies of the valley, he takes care of the sparrows, right? Are we not more important, as scripture says, than them? We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works. Now, it might be uncomfortable where you're at. 
It might be uncomfortable where I'm at, but what does that mean? God hasn't forsaken us. God is going to do his part. All we have to do is trust him, rest in him, and do exactly what God says to do. Cast all of our cares on him. I hope you found Philippians chapter 4, again, verses 4 through 7. And if you are physically able this morning, let's stand out of reverence for the reading of God's word. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, which surpasses every thought, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning again for the privilege of having your word. Father, and as we enter this week that's typically a week that the world focuses on being thankful, Father, I pray that you would cultivate a continual attitude of thanksgiving, Father, that transcends every essence of our life and all throughout the year. God, let this week be a Super Bowl of thanksgiving. Father, you are so faithful. You are so good. Lord, let your word go forth in power as it promises to do, not only in this building, but all over the globe today, that there'd be a mighty harvest of souls for the kingdom, Lord. God, I pray this morning, Lord, for the media ministry that you would bless it. God, allow ones that may not be able to physically be with us, hear the truth of the gospel. More importantly, be convicted as your spirit speaks to their heart and let them respond. God, not only here, but again, all over the globe. We commit this to you and we ask it all in the name of our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. You may be seated. What an awesome scripture, by the way. What an awesome, to, in my opinion, as God led me to this, I was like, God, I use this a lot. I'll mention the scripture a lot. But what an awesome Thanksgiving, to me, mandate. Not even a suggestion, a mandate. Verse 4 again. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. First thing that I want to share with you is this, this morning, a heart that rejoices is a heart after the Lord. How can I say that? Well, how could that not be a reality as a follower of Jesus Christ? When you really look back to what happened in the Garden of Eden, when you really think about that conceptually, that was the epitome of the beginning of what could have been complete decimation and hopelessness for all time and eternity. Again, if I was God, if you were God, we are not going to send our sinful son to pay a debt for someone else's sin. I said that, I don't know if it was a Sunday morning night or Wednesday night, but if you weren't here, uh, if it was, just listen to it again. But imagine someone right now on death row in Nashville. They are rightfully sentenced to die for a crime that they've committed. Now imagine today if you get a phone call and the the person at, at the prison system, the court system, has given you the option because that person's decided that they want to live the right way and do the right thing now, that you or I can send our sinful son. We don't even have a sinless son. You and I can send our sinless, sinful son to die in the place of somebody rightfully convicted of a crime deserving death. Go ahead and raise your hand if you're going to do it. Now do you see where I'm talking? We tracking? Can you imagine the God of creation willingly offered up his son who was sinless 
to become sin, to set us free from what we rightfully deserved. Man, that's deep. Again, when you get down to the concept of that and recognize the, the immensity of God's love, that truly, that thought process, when you really dig into that, helps you understand even just a little bit more, because I don't, I don't think we'll ever fully be able to grasp the, the depth of God's love for us. It is incomprehensible. That's how much God loves us. But see, that should provoke or promote a heart of rejoicing. Rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in Him. And again, I say rejoice. Why? Because we're no longer objects of God's wrath because of Christ Jesus' sacrifice. What a reason to rejoice today. Not only that, we are not constrained by the bounds of this earthly body to then just die one day, be turned to dust, and the lights are off, it's over. That'd be one thing, but no. We are going to be transported as a follower of Christ into God's presence one day before the mercy, the beam of seat, and here, well done, thou good and faithful servant, given the rewards for the things that we've done in the work of the kingdom, to then enter an eternity in place, a place that there is no more night, there's no more death, there's no more heartache, there's no more hurt. The old order will have passed away. We are going to be in a place at Revelation chapter 5, as you think about, we will be around God's throne in the throne room in a perpetual state of worship for eternity. Mind-numbing. Yet here we were, objects of God's wrath, rightfully deserving what we should have gotten. And God extends grace and mercy instead of judgment. Now, he does give you the option for that. He does. God of free will. It's a God that gives complete and utter free will. That's why it always drives me nuts when somebody says, I love God but never send anybody to hell. He doesn't. You send yourself. God merely gives you your will. You don't have to do anything. You can do whatever you want to do, and by default, you can pay your own sin debt. He, he loves us that much that he will allow us to tell him to take a flying leap. But there are consequences for it. Thy will be done. God will give us our will to remain separated from him. But the reality was the eternal body that we will have will be a body that cannot die in a place that's inhospitable, and unsustainable to human life. And that's where the torment part comes in because it's a place that is devoid of everything that sustains life, but yet will be in a place in a body that can't die. So I won't go into that quite often, but this morning I don't feel the need to. I feel the need though to, to rejoice in the fact that that heart that rejoices this morning is a heart after the Lord's heart because God is a God that loves us. He's a God that's given us this gift of being able to rejoice this morning. That's the heart of the message, though, today. How many people do you know rejoice that are ungrateful? Anybody? Oh, man, I know all kinds of uh, ungrateful people. They just live in a perpetual state of rejoicing. How many people do you know that pray continually that live in a perpetual state of Ingratitude, ungrateful. How many people do you know that have yielded themselves to God's will for their life that live in a perpetual state of ungrateful, ingratitude? 
are not thankful. See, they're not synonymous with one another. They don't go hand in hand. It's the same way that water and oil, right? They don't mix together. What is light and darkness? What? Has no fellowship. As followers of Jesus Christ, that's why God says don't be unequally yoked because it doesn't work. Light and darkness doesn't work together. God has called us out of darkness into what? Into the light of Christ. That's what God has called us. And you think about those mindsets that promote that heart and that life and lifestyle of thanksgiving. I think, as a matter of fact, this week as I was meditating on it, I began to think of the ones in Scripture that we've studied. We've studied these perpetually over and over again. What is one we've been in in Acts? Think of one instance in particular that I've just ad nauseum mentioned. Paul and Silas. They are literally in a jail cell having been beaten. What are they doing? They're worshiping. They're praising. They're singing hymns. Praising God. They're in a a heart, a life, and a lifestyle of worship. They recognize what mattered in these temporary these momentary trials were giving way to an eternal glory, but also the hope of knowing that their suffering was not in vain. They recognized that to suffer for the name of Jesus Christ was a privilege. You ever thought about that? That suffering for the name of Jesus Christ is a privilege? Scripture says, when you suffer for the name You've been, you've been considered worthy for suffering. You were counted worthy to suffer for the name, the name of Christ. Think about Stephen as they're stunned. By the way, Saul is there, later known as Paul. He is there. What is he doing? He's basically the officiant at the killing of Stephen. They're throwing their cloaks at his feet, meaning he would have been presiding over it. What is Stephen doing? Is he there defending himself, saying, I don't, you, you guys are doing this for the wrong reason. What's wrong with you? No, he was even then in a state of worship. Meaning, he is praying, Lord, forgive them. How beautiful. What a picture. Recognizing the call of a disciple, but living what he had had mind and thought and practiced long before, because this is what you don't recognize. Anybody who's ever been in law enforcement, trained, trained for anything, by the way. Doesn't matter what it was, military, uh, anything that you have trained in. What happens when you're under pressure and it actually, the real deal happens? How do you respond? Training kicks in or the lack thereof. Do you know how many airplanes go down over the years, have gone down over the years? A lot of times, what do they find out? They did not implement what they had been trained to do. They either became complacent, apathetic, whatever it is, but a lot of times these things, they were not well-versed or well-schooled and did not do what they were supposed to. They began to rely on something they should not have. And one of the big things they do is rely on senses. Don't watch those senses. Because a lot of time our senses will get us off course. What is the thing that we've got to rely on? Training. Rely on the instruments. 
Rely on the training. Rely on that spiritually. God's word. Hey, does everything in our life line up with what we think? Does it, if it looks like a duck, smells like a duck, quacks like a duck, is it a duck? No. We know that. We know that we have the discernment of God's spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, and we have to rely on that. We have to listen to that because we get off base really quick, just like the Gibeonites did when we start to rely on our senses and what we think it should be. And, right? Well, Lord, you know my situation right now. I'm just mad, and, and I, I'm, I don't want to be thankful right now, Lord, even though the Bible says in all things what? Give thanks, for this is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. Remember, it was at 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 18. In all things, give thanks. This is God's will in Christ Jesus concerning you. That's not my encouragement to you to, 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 to live in the power of positive thinking. No, that's a mandate, a spiritual mandate. In all things, give thanks. When you do that, though, you begin to live a life of gratitude. And you live with that attitude of gratitude. Because what you recognize is, is apart from the Lord, we have absolutely nothing you're lost, we are without hope, we are broken. So when you see that right, rejoice in the Lord always. Say it again, rejoice. A heart that rejoices is a Lord, a heart after the Lord's heart. And then the second part, listen to verse 5 and 6. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything, through prayer and petition, with thanksgiving. Let your requests be known to God. Please, the second thing I'm going to share with you this morning. Pray continually with a heart of thanksgiving. Listen to this. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer, and some versions say supplication, basically through praying, through asking, let your requests be known to God. Do it with thanksgiving. Now, how do you do that when things are not optimal, when the circumstances are plain miserable? Well, one little model for that, just go to the first chapter of Job. There's a nice model for it. After Job had lost everything, I came naked, I go, the Lord giveth, the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. By the way, he's in worship. His first response to losing everything when the last person came in and basically, by the way, everything's gone, is worship. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Is that your heart? Is that your mind? I, I wonder if that was Job's first time doing that. I will assure you it wasn't. What Job was demonstrating is the attitude that had been cultivated in his life. I believe year in and year out for an extended period of time. Job wasn't a man that was loving and honoring and glorifying God simply because God had blessed him. No, he realized that everything was from God. Every blessing, every gift, and that it all was able to be taken in a moment's notice. This was a man that was passionate about the Lord, loved him with all his heart, soul, mind, body, and strength. We see it in the very life that he lives. And by the way, after all of this happens, the discourse between Job and his friends is beautiful. It's such a powerful book, by the way. If you've not spent much time in Job, 
Read Job. Spend some time meditating on Job. It's really a heart of a man who was passionate about the truth, passionate about the Lord, and God was so faithful to him. And in the end of his life, not only did God give it back to him, but he had more at the end of his life than he had at the beginning of his life. Praise God. Amen? A man that was thankful, lived a life of thanksgiving. God blessed him exponentially. So in prayer and supplication, don't worry about anything. What can you worry about? What's that done to change anything? I've seen people that have come to me, oh, Brother Jonathan, I'm this, or my wife, or my husband. We're worried, worried, worried. I'll just tell them right now, stop a minute. What are you worried about? Well, you know, they just we have a trouble worrying. Stop. First of all, it's sinful. Stop doing it. Don't do it. Don't allow it to take root. Reject it. Rebuke it in the name of Jesus. Get deliverance. Get victory over worry. I have never once in all of my years, nor have I ever talked with someone that has ever gained anything tangible from worry. Never once. But it's the law of diminishing returns. It takes from you, never gives. What does it take? Well, ask your stomach. Ask your sleep. Somebody this week, not a churchgoer, was telling me they just have a hard time sleeping. They're worrying and worrying. I just, I, I, and, I, and I'm saying this to a person that's not even a believer. I went, I got a question for you. When you're laying there at night worrying, what are you gaining? Well, I never really thought of that. Right, it's a, it's a liar. It's a thief. It's coming to steal. It's coming to kill. It's coming to destroy. Do you think for a moment that Satan wants anything out of worry other than to steal from you something that's yours? Peace, peaceful sleep. He's a liar. He doesn't want you in a heart of thanksgiving because if you have a heart of thanksgiving, what are you naturally going to do? It's naturally magnify the person of God. You're going to see the beauty of God's blessing, of God's creation. Just go outside. Look up. What a beautiful thing. The feelings that getting outside in the sunshine, seeing the sunrise in the morning, they've had some beautiful sunsets. I go to bed so early, I've been able to enjoy some of them. Amen? Y'all all right? I'm going to wake you up? Don't make me start over again. If I know y'all aren't tracking, I'm going to start over. Amen? We'll do it until I know everybody's tracking. But looking at the, what God's Word says, the heavens declare the glory, the earth the work of God's hands. Man, I, there's no way that you can refute the creative genius of God when you look at the sunsets. When you go out in creation right now, watching the deer, I love to watch the deer. I love to watch all nature. I love it. Our little chipmunks are so cute. Watch those little things run. But looking at the intricacy of all of the beauty of God's creation, and people want to say there's no God, I'm sorry, but it's just to me, you've got to have a whole lot more faith than I have to believe that there's no God, that there's no intelligent designer. It is absolutely gorgeous what God's doing. But what does it do for me? It brings me to an attitude of thanksgiving. When I see it, I'm just, man, this is so gorgeous. This is so beautiful. God, thank you for the beauty of everything around me. And then I say to myself, God, I wonder what it had been like if, if people, had, you know, if sin hadn't been invited into this. Can you imagine how incredible this would be if there was no sin involved in what happened? Wow. But you know what? We're going to get to see that one day. The Bible says old order is going to be passed away. All things are going to be new. It's going to be a new heaven, new earth. That's what the Bible says. How do I know that's all going to look? I don't know, but it's going to be awesome. As a matter of fact, we know what happened with Paul. God had to 
humble him. He had to give him so much of a painful thorn to keep him from boasting. What does that tell you? It's going to be awesome. And I hope you're excited about that because it's, oh, what a day it'll be when my Jesus I shall see. When I look upon his face, the one that saved me by his grace, takes me by the hand, leads me to the promised land. What a day, glorious day that'll be. I hope you're excited about that. And just remember, pray continually with that heart of thanksgiving. Don't make God, listen, don't try God's hand. Don't make God take away from you because you don't appreciate what he's given you. Don't, you don't like that car, you're cursing that car, you know, I, junk, I can't stand this thing, it doesn't run, it goes, lays down on me. It's, don't make God take that away from you so that you appreciate what he's given you. God has gifted us exponentially. God has given us so much. It might not be what you think your house should be, what you think your car should be, but I promise you right now, it's what God's given you. Thank him for it. Give him praise for it. Give him glory for it. Give him honor for it because he deserves it. You know what I do know? If you have a car that's laying down on you, that's the old saying is when one's giving you trouble, don't think God doesn't know. Talk to him about it. God, I'm not complaining about this car, but you know what's going on right now. Lord, you know my finances, and God, I don't know where you're going with this thing, but keep me ever faithful. God, don't let me covet. Don't let me get in a heart that is cursing the blessings that you've given me, that's saying, thanks, but no thanks, Lord. God, keep me in the right frame of mind as I'm dealing with the trials with this automobile that I have right now. Keep it in the proper perspective so that you don't find yourself spiritually tying God's hands from being able to replace it right now because of the act of disobedient grumbling against the blessing that God's given you. It's really easy to do that, isn't it? It's really easy to walk into your carpet in your house and go, you know, well, it sure be nice to have some carpet. This stuff here, man, the shag carpet I've been raking for 25 or 30 years. I guess no, now it would be 50 years. Anybody have any shag here, carpet? Praise God. But it's new now, isn't it? They make shag carpet again, don't they? Praise God. Hey, I think everybody in here has some shag carpet at one time or another. Of course, now they're bringing it back. But I'm talking about people, ready? In the 70s, they wanted to cover up that terrible stuff we know as hardwood floors. How many people covered up beautiful hardwood floors because... You know, that's, that's what poor people used back then. And now what have they done? Uncovered them, redone them, and they're these beautiful homes. Keep everything in perspective. What is the perspective? God has blessed us with something. Don't get yourself on the other side where God has to take away something we've had because we see what God's given us is not the optimal, not what we want but hey, God is so good. He's so faithful. And then listen to verse 7 again. And the peace of God. Oh, I love that. The peace of God, which what? Surpasses every thought, meaning all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. So think about it real quickly again. Rejoice always. Again, I say rejoice. Rejoice. Let your graciousness be known to everyone. The Lord is near. Don't worry about anything, but in everything through prayer and petition with thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And then what is the, the, the outflow of that? 
And then the peace of God surpasses every thought, all understanding, will guard our hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. Third and final thing I want to share with you this morning is this. Thanksgiving will bring peace and provision of God. Thanksgiving will bring the peace and provision of God. Now let me share a little concept with you. When you and I come to faith in Jesus Christ, we are given an inheritance. We're going to talk a lot about that in 2024. We're going to talk about the inheritance that is followers of Jesus Christ. If you weren't here Wednesday night, the other thing we're going to go into is the pictures of Christ. We went into the first one Wednesday night. The first one was what? Anybody remember what Wednesday night? When the coverings were made for Adam and Eve, the first sacrifice pointing to the sacrifice that would ultimately atone for sin? We're going to be going into these pictures of Christ in 2024, but we're going to be talking, the overarching theme is going to be what we as Christians are given as an inheritance. So if we're all given the equal inheritance as followers of Christ, why don't all people walk in those? Why aren't each and every one of us manifesting the joy of the Lord? Why aren't each and every one of us rejoicing in the manifestation of God speaking His power and His presence in our lives if we've all been given said gift equally. I'll tell you why. There's keys in the follower of Christ's life. The life of a Christian is about decisions that we make or don't make. And number one, we can start out with, if a follower of Jesus Christ is not reading the word how can they walk in the manifest power of God in the anointing spiritual victory that God has divinely appointed us to walk in? I'll tell you, we're going to just start out to give you a teaser for it. Because those keys, number one, is the key of obedience. So if you are not allowing the obedience of God to unlock the treasure of the richness of God's anointing and the inheritance as a follower of Jesus Christ, it's because you are hindering and I am hindering God's ability to manifest this treasure trove of spiritual blessing, discernment, peace, hope, joy. We are keeping it locked. As I said this year, with how many people of a monumental Hoover's Dam. The water behind the dam represents the, the manifest blessing of God on their life. But because of sinful, selfish proclivity to do the selfish bitterness and anger and resentment and all these different things, the dam of sin has equated to the Hoover Dam in your life. And therefore, 
all of the blessings that God has wanted to supernaturally pour out on our lives has ceased to happen because of the dam of sin. What we're going to do through 2024 is work through each aspect, not only of of the pictures of Christ and how God was pointing to Christ all through the old covenant as he was pointing to what would happen in the new covenant, we're going to look at each one of those spiritual blessings in this massive, beautiful picture of the covenantal promises of God under the new covenant, the New Testament, and how these little things that we don't even think are big deals, you know, these little things like bitterness and these little things like uncontrolled anger and resentment and these things are literally magnanimous, massive roadblocks to the blessings of God. See, thanksgiving will bring peace in the provision of God because when we are bitter, when we are resentful, when we're angry, when we're this, that, and the other, you know what we can't do? We're not going to have a life of thanksgiving. We can't give thanks. Because what that does is drive us away from a heart of thanksgiving and it drives us to a heart of bitterness and a hard heart. The power of God, the the conviction of the Holy Spirit of God has to, God has to allow that to come in to soften our hearts, to bring us to that place of brokenness so that we can repent. Once we repent, then we're able to get into that blessing of God. We're able to live with that heart of thanksgiving because a heart of thanksgiving is a heart recognizing, God, thank you. I recognize everything comes from you. God, I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that I, I live in this nation. Do you think that you and I deserve to live in this nation like somebody today who's suffering under the repressive regime, regime in Iran today or North Korea? We don't, there's nothing special about us that we deserve that. You know what? In God's divine providence, you and I ended up in the greatest nation on earth. And that believer that's in North Korea, Iran today, they're just as godly as you or I, those who are followers of Christ. God's just placed them on a different mission field. And I praise God for those ones that are standing steadfast is a testimony of God's redemptive work in those nations because I cannot begin for the life of me to imagine what some of their realities are. So as we, we wrap up, the scriptures here say nothing about rejoicing when things are working out like we should and There's nothing in here that say, you know, as long as my wife's acting right, my husband's acting right, as long as my kids are acting right, and, you know, Lord, I I can have a heart of thanksgiving. No, this is a, a lifestyle. This is living with that attitude of gratitude. As a matter of fact, it shows more about our character when we stand steadfast in those, the harder things get. It reveals the true condition of our hearts. And I know that there's not gonna be, I. I know right now, this time last year, I had my pick line in and I was getting antibiotics. I don't remember how many times a day. I'm so thankful. I've been thankful all year long that those antibiotics worked and I didn't end up losing my whole finger. And there's great blessings that God has done. There's also great loss we've endured. But I have to stand steadfast in the reality and the truth that God is still faithful. If not, I check out and I'm done. But I know it's true. That's the reason that I can stand steadfastly in it because when Christ is solid rock, I stand. All other ground is sinking sand. All other ground is sinking sand. I know that. And I know one day that he will come with trumpet sound and may I then in him be found, dressed in his righteousness alone, faultless to stand before the throne. And see, that's real this morning. 
And I know what's real this morning is the tangible blessings of God that I literally, you know, I was uh, in our, our Sunday school class, and so I just love this class we're doing, and it's, it's the uh, Experiencing God by Blackaby series. It's really awesome. And what's so awesome is, is even this morning as we were looking, it's, it's seeing the fingerprints of God in our life. The fingerprints of God's supernatural provision are evident in everything. Question is, are we going to walk in that? Are we going to see that? Or are we going to get tempted into doing when we get our Christmas bonus? Boy, look what I did. Instead of saying, God, thank you. God, this is you. Thank you, Father. God, thank you that I know this year, Lord, how many times my body killed cancer cells in it, Lord. I can't even know that. But I know it happened this year, Lord, and I want to give you thanks for that. I want to give you thanks because you are Jehovah Rapha. You are the healer. God, you are the provider, Jehovah Jireh. You are Jehovah Nisi, or should be my banner. And my question is this morning, is he that to you? Is God your everything? If not, I want to encourage you to step back this morning, do that introspective look, draw that line in the sand, and I challenge you to a life that begins this morning. It'll change your Advent season that we're getting ready to go into next Sunday. You know what we're going to do? We're going to begin the Advent series where we start thinking about all of these things that Christ Jesus' birth heralded into us as Christians. The Advent means the coming, the coming of Jesus as we look to it. I hope we have the slowest December that we've ever had. I hope we have the most time to reflect and focus on all that Jesus means because, brothers and sisters, this is a Super Bowl, so to speak. Without Jesus, we have nothing. I assure you, Without Jesus Christ this morning, I'd be out here. I never would have been here. So this morning, I'm so excited. I'm so thankful today for Christ Jesus. I'm so thankful today that Jesus became sin for us and did what I know beyond a shadow of a doubt I would have never done. I would not have given my son to free somebody who rightfully deserved to die for their sin. That is the manifestation of love like no one or nothing else. And I want to encourage you this week to begin to, to have that lifestyle of thanksgiving, not just this week that we get thankful and get all nice and uh, you know people like to give money and, and help people and do things. Just to live a lifestyle of that because that's what it means to be a disciple of Christ. Let's pray. Father, thank you this morning for your word. Father, thank you for the challenge of it. Thank you for joining us today. We pray that God's word has encouraged you. You feel like you've had fellowship and been at home with family. Today, if God has moved in your heart, and today you would like to make him not only the Savior, but the Lord of your life, first, it's important to know that we are sinners. We're born sinners. No one can bridge the gap that was separated when sin broke what God had created so beautifully. But today, you know you're a sinner in need of a Savior, and you know that Jesus Christ was born, lived a sinless life, and died on the cross to pay for your sin. Today, if you want to, you can trust him as your Lord and Savior. It requires you to pray and in faith, ask him to save you, to forgive you of your sins, to cleanse you, and you wanna live for him. I pray today, if you do that, that you will reach out to us. We would love to get you connected in a church body, a church home, wherever that might be, and get discipleship around you so you can grow in this new life that you found in Christ. Read God's word. He will never leave you. He will never forsake you. God bless you.